This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn here on Mitch Marathon Month. And I just finished a weekend at Heavy Montreal. So for the next week, it's going to be Mitch Marathon Month from Heavy Montreal. And today we have got Brent Fitz and Todd Kearns from Toque. Some of you might also know them from Slash's band uh, with the Conspirators. And joining me, and it's been a while, it is the one, the only, the affable, the Arizonian, is that how you call yourselves out there? Alan Niven. Bonjour, monsieur. We're, yeah, we're Arizonans. We're desert rats. And, yes. Uh, yes, I saw you were at Montreal. I saw you posted an absolutely spectacular picture of uh, the conspirators and Slash on stage, and it looked like a huge audience having an absolute ball and celebrating the community and, spe- and celebrating the spirit of the community, and a uh, nice picture. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I had a chance to, to be on, on the side stage to watch Slash, and, and I put a couple of pictures out on Twitter, and yeah, you know, you're right, it... it the the audience, the ambiance, everything. It, it it looks a little bit like a concert on I think it's called Fremont Street in Las Vegas. You've got the lights and the water fountains and and people jammed in there. It was just an absolutely phenomenal time. Um, and you know I wanted to it capture. Like a oh, it did, and I, and I wanted to capture that spirit. I, th- I and I think I did capture the spirit, quite frankly. Um, you oh, know. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, it made me smile when I saw it because. Uh, you know, so often we hear, you know, gripes about the condition of the industry or what have you. And it's really good just to see a fabulous picture like that of a huge audience having a gas and being in celebration mode and being of the spirit. Yeah, and of course, uh, part of that goes to Slash and his band, but uh, but a great part of it also goes to Heavy Montreal that every year put together and I don't want to say eclectic because eclectic almost sounds negative, but you know, they, they, they had quiet riot this year. They had steel Panther, but they also had dirty honey. They also had slash. They also had Slayer and anthrax. So you're sort of covering hair metal, glam metal, sort of comedy metal. If I can call steel Panther, that, uh, new rock, old rock. It's just, it's great to see that, you know, and it's very, very, I was just going to say, remember that, I, I had a an English childhood, and I kind of smile when people talk about eclecticism in rock and roll builds, because when I was a nipper in the United Kingdom, um, variants of a bill was essential and delightful. And when you had the same kind of band over and over again, it was somewhat mundane and boring. I love it when there's a mix-up. Yeah, and there are not a lot of festivals that do that in North America. I mean, there are festivals, of course, in North America, but they seem to either focus on new metal, new rock, uh, hair metal, uh, you know, rap. And, like They hey. all seem to be specific. And, and Heavy Montreal sort of gives a pat on the back to everybody. Yeah, back in the day, I can recall a bill where I saw the Allman Brothers play with the Mahavish New Orchestra, play with the sensational Alex Harvey band at Nebworth if I'm remembering the lineup correctly. And that was splendid. You know, it's variances. I mean, do we just want to eat mashed potatoes? I love mashed potatoes and gravy, but I'd like a little bit of color and a little bit of meat on the plate as well. I agree. I agree. 
and and which, by the way, is sort of the philosophy of Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Because you know, today we're going to talk to uh, Brent, and we're going to talk to Todd, and we're going to talk about Tuke. But coming up on the show, I've got Doug Clifford, I've got Corky Lang, Robin Trower, I've got Godsmack, I've got Def Leppard, I've got uh, Skillet. You know, isn't that nice to, to to come to a show where it's not always the same type of guest doing the same type of music? I mean. And and you probably should co-host when we get around to uh, Corky Lang and Doug Clifford of CCR because those, well, th- those are are drummers of the day, right? Extraordinary well, musicians. Yeah. You know, in in the, in the past, as I probably mentioned uh, on a, on a couple of tasks, I'm probably the only person you know who's old enough to remember those bands in their heyday. Um, but they came from fabulous bands and it would be a delight to talk to you about them and uh, my memories of them. But, yeah. you know, enough of enough of us talking. Let's go over and see what conspirators have to say. Yeah, let's listen to uh, Brent Fitz, of course, a uh, Winnipeg Jets fan, which, eh, you know, well... We can forgive. Yeah. At, but, least he's a ho- at least he's a hockey fan. But I will say this. I will say this in his defense. He texted me earlier today and said... I love the Habs. It's the least I can't stand. So, <laughs> bonus points for that. Uh, and we all, um, we all know that. And we have that thing of anybody but Boston as well. Yeah. Well, and of course, to be fair, he told me that before I posted the interview. So, maybe it's just to garner a little extra bonus press or, or, or favorable press. Who knows? But anybody who says I don't like the Leafs is, is automatically friend forever. No, but uh, jokes aside... Go. Let us get over to the conspirators. In fact, let us not get to the conspirators. They, they are Took. The uh, it is a great Canadian band uh, with Brent and Todd, and here they are backstage at Heavy Montreal 2019, recorded on July 28, 2019. Here are Brent and Todd. Uh, we are in uh, Heavy Montreal with uh, Brent and uh, Todd from uh, Slash's band, and we are going to talk about their new. Never enough Tuke album, but more importantly, we are going to talk about Kiss. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> because we love Kiss and we love we love the Canadian songs you cover. But let, no, honestly, uh, but let's talk to uh, Tuke first. And I'm not going to call it Toke this time. But new album comes out on August 27th, or the release party is August 27th. Yes. And the record. And the record. Yeah, it'll be everywhere by then. Yeah. It is uh, called Never Enough. You have covered, of course, Canadian bands and Canadian artists in the past. I will start with Brent so that people can recognize the voices, but what can you tell me in terms of which songs you've covered on this one? Um, well, uh, i got to remember. You know what? We recorded this record when we did the Slash album. Well, you don't give too much away. I mean, we do, so there's a few of the bands that we had on the first record. So we, um, I just want to say respectfully, we love Streetheart. It's one of our favorite Canadian bands of all time. So Streetheart not only was on the first record, but there will be one on the second record. Is that because you played with them? Well, um, yeah, I'm very proud to say that I actually did some time with Kenny Shields, you know, one of the greatest singers of all time. But um, we just love that band and respect them. And I think that some of those songs from that great Canadian band didn't necessarily have a complete worldwide exposure and... We feel proud that if we can do one of the songs and someone from maybe in Brazil or Australia says, I really like that song you guys covered. And it's a song from our, you know, band. They don't even say covered. They say that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gives it some new life, like a Queen City Kids song. But, um, yeah. So there's some, uh, what did we do, Todd? Uh, well, I, 
This is Todd. Um, Red Rider we did. We did a Headpin song. We wow. did um, Toronto. Yeah, Headpins were great, man. Right, right. I saw them a bunch of times back in the day. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. I saw them, first time I saw them was without Brian and Ab, because Headpins was a spinoff of Chilliwack. Brian McLeod started this side project. It eventually became the main project. Um, but I first time I saw them, they were opening for Toronto. We were kids, I, and it was like other guys, because Brian and Ab were still in Chilliwack. This is like... One percent of your audience is going. Oh, okay. The rest is going. What is he talking about? But the, um, uh, but uh, and then it's like you know we got a, like like he said we did a because Kenny passed away. Kenny Shields from Streetheart. We we had to do another song for them. We did another Queen City Kids song, Prism from Vancouver. So there was a lot of like Brian Adams. Brian Adams, yeah. So there's a lot of Canadianisms that we a lot of these songs we were already playing in a live format anyway, and then we wrote a song. And uh, that's, that's sort of, important. and that's the most important thing to focus on. So there's a video coming, and that that will all be released on the 27th when we, uh, um, when the, when we have a CD release party in Winnipeg. Yeah. So uh, one fact, let me talk about uh, Prism real quick. Of course, uh, you, you mentioned you did Brian Adams. Jim Valance was the drummer in Prism for a New York Minute. That's a, that's a good deep Bruce Fairbairn Canadian trivia. Too, yes. That that is a great trivia question, isn't it? Great. But it happens that I interviewed Jim twice this year, so I researched it. Bruce Fairburn played trumpet in Prism. That's right. And I believe he recorded the first album, or maybe some of the albums. I'm not not sure, actually. But it was a heavy, heavy, talented uh, crowd of guys in that thing, for sure. Well, that whole sort of Bruce Allen, Uh Bob Rock, Jim Valance, the that all came basically from prism offshooting kind of Lover thing. Loverboy. Loverboy, yeah. And just that was the West Coast, Vancouver. I mean, there was some magic in that era. Obviously, just like Adams is connected too because him and Valance ended up writing all those songs together. So, yeah. So, Brian Adams and all that Vancouver thing, yeah. I, I kind of equated to definitely like Toronto's always had a, a very cool, clicky, the the Triumph Rush uh, and then the Rough Trades or, you know, a lot of... Coney Hatch. Coney Hatch, a lot of those 70s and 80s era Toronto bands. And then you have the Prairies, which actually kind of started in the 60s with Neil Young and the Guess Who, and then into the 70s with uh, Harlequin, Streetheart, Queen City Kids, uh, early 80s Kickaxe. Kickaxe, hello, greatest band. Uh, Helix, they're from back east, but they're a Toronto band. Well, London. Yeah, London, Ontario. Oshawa, maybe? Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, love those guys too. But that whole West Coast Vancouver scene was really great. So we actually did. um, uh, What else did we do, Todd? By um, did the Brian Adams song? Yeah, Brian Adams song. Which one? Uh, Well, first album. Yeah, we'll just say it's from the first record. And so instead of going with like a record full of massive hits, we went right back to square one with Brian Adams. So are we going uh, hiding from love or or remember? Well, but but one of those two because those are the. But, okay, let me ask you this then. Since you're covering stuff like that, you know, Brian and, and Jim Valance wrote for Kiss and they wrote yeah, for BTO yeah. and they wrote for all kinds of other bands. Before they became Brian Adams and, yeah. and Jim Valance, they were just yeah. respectfully two schmucks from out west. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would Toke or Took, would you eventually consider expanding into not just covering you Kiss? Us, what you're asking us, are we going to do a Kiss record? Is that what you're asking me? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, hey, yeah. remember Todd Why the other day? Why are we day? playing around? Are you going to do a kiss right now? You're going to cover War Machine. It's really what I'm asking. I, I had a good uh, reference the other day because Todd and I were listening to something, and I go, hey, check this out. And it was a cover of the song Does a Fool Ever Learn, Does which Helix, Helix yeah. recorded first, but it's actually an Eddie Schwartz, who's a great songwriter, and I think yeah. a, uh, you know, like 
he's knighted or something in Canada or something. He's like a Hall of Fame kind of guy. Um, and that song was also covered on a um, uh, Skinnerd. Uh, That's right. Uh, like another record. 38 so that, Special. 38 Special, but not 38 Special. The no, other, wasn't? The, the, um, the brother had another band. I'm just drawing a blank right now. Rosington Collins? Something like that. Uh, but that song and the, you know, like, to me, that's like, well, that's open game because that song seemed to have a couple spins with some other artists. And I think we should give that song like a new twist. Just like, um, not to talk about Kiss, but I have to talk about Kiss. But <laughs> hey, on the cruise last year, we pulled out Sword and the Stone, which is a great, yeah. you know. Yep. As covered by Paul Dean from Loverboy as well. It yeah. right. comes back it to Kiss and uh, the West Coast. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Six degrees of separation from Kiss. Um, do people listening right now, uh, now, other than the three of us, do, does everybody know that there's two songs on It's Creatures of the Night, right? Written right. by Brian Adams yes. and Jim Valance. You yes. can you can tell the audience what those songs are. Yes, they are War Machine and Rock and Roll Hell, which, which Ron Keel covered. That's right. For my record. Now, isn't there a version of... Which one did um, Bachman Turner Overdrive cover? Rock and Roll Hell. Rock and Roll Hell, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Right. Damn, yeah. dude. You're trying, you're trying. I know, I, I can hang, but I don't hang. Covered. Yeah. <laughs> I got this stuff covered because I actually... You may or may not have known, but in 2013, I did a Kiss tribute called A World with Heroes. Okay, my, yes. my wife's father passed away from prostate cancer, and she said, I want to donate to the palliative care home. And I said, well, let me call a few people. I was going to do like 10 tracks. Sure. Ended up being 40, and so I had to research all this because I paid all the rights. It wasn't done bootleg, you know. Sure, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I had to figure out who did what and where did it go, and so right. we got into the whole history. But, yeah, yeah and, and that's a very deep history, I know. That's amazing, though. It, it is, but... So, but would you, are you going to cover songs that were primarily released by Canadian artists, or do you do you get into that sort of secondary market, for the lack of a better word, where you go, okay, well, Brian Adams wrote a song for that Rod Stewart, really cool. and, you, you know. I mean, that's the fascinating thing. So it really honestly started out, as Brent was saying, we always thought it'd be really interesting, because we, you know, literally driving around Los Angeles listening to a Queen City Kids CD or a Street Heart CD, as we do, and I'm thinking, like, as I'm looking around at the other cars, I go, none of these people know this music, and we love it, like, to death. We just grew up on it. So things become very regional. Things become very sort of, um, you know, uh, just for us kind of thing, and that's the fascinating thing about, about the idea of recording this music, is it creates a... Uh, the idea of people in Japan or South America or Australia... Hearing, hearing songs they never would have ever heard before. <clears throat> Sorry. There's a band in the background looking at me funny. They're my band. Um, but the... Uh, so that made it kind of like... That was sort of the opus morandi was just kind of like, well, let's just do... Let's just record some of these songs. It'd be fun. And then sort of the, the idea of doing a second one was kind of like, oh, we're already here. Now it's sort of like anything goes, really. It's not really our band. That's what I always say. Is like so many people chime in and go, "Hey, you guys should do a Coney Hatch song." You know, Eddie Trunk will tell us you, you yeah, need to yeah. do Coney Hatch. Well, yes, we do. Well, I told you, Tease is heartless world. That'd I love amazing. Tease. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's the other song that um, Tease did? Uh, um, boys are out tonight. No, keep going, keep going. Ah, uh, 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 Tease is great. So, heartless world. I have it on my playlist. I, think, I keep thinking. I have this great. Tate doing heartless world with that. Would, would, would wow, be, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway. So because it's like everybody throwing in their two cents, it's awesome because we, you know, we kind of look at it like, well, what would everybody else be happy to hear? So it, like I said, it's sort of everybody else's band. And the idea is it was put together for that purpose, for like a celebration of that. But I mean, honestly, we've been working in the last several years on a bunch of great music with Flash. 
you know, writing new, fresh music. So our artistic side of writing songs and everything is always there too. We love playing other people's music, but we also write good songs together. Todd and I have been writing a lot of songs together with other people. So it's just natural. Like we're going to flex that muscle too and write some of our own songs. So, you know, we also play on the Kiss Cruise with Bruce Kulick. We don't even have a band name, but the other day, Bruce, what did he say? M-O-B-B, members of, members of Bruce's band. <laughs> mob. That's, that's I said name. the mob. That's a good name for that's a band. Name, the right mob. Now. But we've been doing Kiss covers, right? Proudly. But now it's kind of like even that band has the potential to do something with some original you know, material as well. Yeah. So we have all these palettes of great, you know, like for the right reasons. I mean, when we started with Slash, we really were playing all his catalog as a cover band. Honestly, you know, that's what's, what it was. And now we've turned it into a great band that you know today we're playing heavy montreal and we're playing all of our own music if Tuke becomes that great if something with you know bruce kulik and todd and i uh becomes something like that too great you know well okay let me ask you about that because you you obviously did original music with bruce and union yeah is that something i'm not talking about reviving union but but do you think you could get on with bruce and and do some some union and stuff, but also create new music and maybe call it something else, whatever you want, the mob, the X-Men, the, the whatever you want to call it, and 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 push that and, and do a show where you do something from the Blue Room and Sword and Stone and then new stuff. Sure. And again, it's all coming down to like what would serve an audience. So we can be selfish to some degree because, oh, we like, you know, these songs, like even the covers that we do with Took. But if we played only the deepest cuts that nobody's ever heard well people are going to be like cool you did a bunch of canadian songs that are completely you know not they're irrelevant because we can't sing them and dance them so same thing with with playing kiss songs and that so i think that's not true in the kiss camp you can dig as deep as you want to dig absolutely right we do that kiss cruise (laughs) and uh there was the first time we did it with bob both keelik brothers and we were digging digging deep you know but it wasn't deep like you know like doing all american man or Larger than larger life. than life, and you know those kind of some stuff of the off. Paul Stanley solo stuff. Yeah. You do under the rose. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, stuff if we killers. did under the rose, they would go no over. The, nothing would go over bigger than like something like that because the fans they've heard all the hits so many times. I mean, we you everybody in this sitting here right now, we've all heard right. all those songs right. a million times. But when you start digging deep, that's when the fans dig it, and that's what we really learned on the first cruise. So that when we did it the second time, which is Bruce and we brought in Zach. Then it was like, dude, anything goes. And we really tried to dig as deep as we could. And we put together these medleys of, you know, uh, of, of, of uh, yeah, like revenge stuff and Carnival of Souls stuff. And, and you really couldn't, you really can't dig deep enough. And in, in fact, the more crazy you go, the fact that we busted out Sword in the Stone, which was only a demo, it was never a release song, <laughs> is like, and the people went bananas. And they talk about it to this day as like, so you really can't even imagine uh, you, whatever you can think of. If we can think of more demos, we'll record those and we'll do a version of those. <laughs> no, and that's... Hey, Frank Sidoris. Oh. There you go. You guys like Big, Big Kiss fans. Yeah. Big Kiss fans. We, we love Kiss. All, all Kiss all the time. But no, you, you know, you, that's, what, that's the great thing about the crews is that they're not casual fans on no. there. There might be a couple of wives or something that come along that are... Ca- but it's pretty much 98% of people that go... Please play something I've never heard before, absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. We are absolutely on the cruise as Kiss fans ourselves. So it starts with our uh, love and appreciation for the band. So we are like 
give the people what they want. So as much as I'm sure everybody's like, what are they going to play this year? You know, that's the next step is we're well, playing the Cruz of, this year. That's so. a lot of pressure, actually, because we've been sort of really kind of killing ourselves thinking about, like, like, you can't go out there and just do what we already did. In fact, you have to kind of dig even deeper, and, and not only deeper, but, like, you know, but still kind of make it, you know. You got to do, like, the, the, the kiss disco set. Do, like, is that <laughs> Something. Like, They've know, already done that, actually. Yeah. So, but I think we're good for like something. Str- I'm not going to call out songs and just say this is what we're doing on the cruise. But there's definitely you know some other things on. I don't know creatures of the night. I think our band is good for like creatures right through to to Carnival of Souls. Hey, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. that's open game for us. And of course, Bruce celebrating anything that he was part of from his era. Did I say it right? Era. Era. era? <laughs> We have to keep in mind that, you know, even the stuff from, like, and I keep saying to him, wouldn't it be amazing to do that Kiss Alive 3 in its entirety? And then taking into account that Bruce was around on the app. Dude. Yeah, like making it that that version, those versions of those songs. And then you got to take into account that Bruce was on Animalize Live, you know. So I always, whenever I think of, like, you know, Under the Gun or Thrills in the Night, you know, I go, I think of Bruce, you know. I mean, I know that Mark played on those songs or on some of them. Uh, Bruce played on Lonely as the Hunter or something weird. That's There's a so, yeah. there's a good uh, trivia question, and I always forget. But, um, but I, you know, in, in terms of the first time I ever saw Kiss was in 85 on that tour. So I think of Bruce. Well, Asylum is 85. No, it was Animalize. So that's at 85? Yeah, we both saw yeah, the right. Animalized tour separate cities apart. But he yeah. saw it in Regina, I saw it in Winnipeg. That was our first KISS live experience, and Bruce was the guitar player. So yeah. so to me, I think that we have the we are allowed to play anything from that. Before. We can really play anything we want anyway. And that's the cool thing about it, KISS Alive 3 is that you have Deuce, you have Watching You, you have a lot of classics on there too. So you And Revenge is one of the... the best kiss records you know in the top five and come on it's into play there's a lot of good musical stuff going on that's not easy stuff to play so to get the coolest thing is hearing the you know even the kiss guys their reaction to it you know i think that in their own way because they you know they 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 are so focused on doing their job and 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 we we all know that you you those guys live and walk and breathe it. So they, they go on stage. They've got to do Rock and Roll Night. They've got to do Detroit Rock City. They've got to do Lick It Up. They've got to do all those songs. But I think that they kind of like, you know, they really got a kick out of like kicking back and seeing guys play Take It Off or, you know, or like, you know, a bunch of uh, the Carnival Souls medley. I think that they, you know, they thought, wow, that's really cool that these guys are crazy. And it sort of that. takes a little bit of the pressure off of them because people keep asking for those songs. And then they got to hear them. So I was yeah, like, just wait for Bruce. Basically, or Bob, or, or, yeah, or whoever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the, the Took album, you did mention that there's an original song. Yeah. So let's talk original song, because you don't want to just be a glorified cover band, because that's not the purpose. Right. Uh, so talk to me about making this, and, and does it lead to the sort of Took 3, where there's like half original and half covers, or do we start moving away from covers and becoming an all-original band? I think it'll speak for itself once it, the song that's original by us, um, I have nothing, I have a no opinion on it right now because no one's heard it. So we wrote a song. I would be safe to say, maybe Todd would agree that we didn't try to write a modern rock song to maybe be like, well, you guys play with Slash, so that it should sound like that. I don't know what it sounds like. Does it sound more like the stuff we've been playing in Tuke? I guess so. I think we kind of purposely, you know, went out of our way. Not, not went out of our way, but we kind of like did have that sort of when you're wearing your toque, 
literally, your toque hat, I was going to say. You know, you kind of like, musically, I'm speaking. For you, Americans, winter ski hat. When you're wearing, wearing your winter ski hat. <laughs> but when you're wearing, you know, that, I like, this gig sounds like this. So when we kind of started coming up with a song, it was almost kind of like, well, what would it be like if we were, like, you know, pitch this song to Prism? You know, right? <laughs> so to me, it was kind of like, that song kind of has a little bit of that vibe. Not really overall, but... But it does have a little bit of a throwback to some degree, and I think that that's on purpose. And it's—I wouldn't even say it's tongue in cheek, because in reality, it, it, it turned out to be a really catchy, great song. And to answer your question, I think I think a lot of it is unwritten, you know, as to what the plan is. I mean, it's becoming. Is there a plan, or is it there's not like a, plan. There, there a plan? There never was a plan in the first place. So, so to me, it's kind of like when you say cover band, or I don't really take offense to that because we really—I mean the. The thing we kind of skipped over is we actually started the band playing um, charity events, charity events and in Canada. Money away yeah. and, and it was just for and the. We built it around the idea of doing Canadian music just because it was in Canada, and we thought, wouldn't it be fun to just play all those old songs? And then it just, you know, as things do, it, it seems like there's a master plan, but there never is. It's sort of like we started doing these songs, and we thought, I love playing these songs. Wouldn't it be cool if we could record these and, and release them, and Japanese people and, and Australian people could hear these? And, and and we did that, and then it's just sort of like everything just sort of kind of follows its own momentum in that way. So so the next record, I have no idea. I mean, who knows? I mean, we live in a day and age where is it better to release just random songs now and again? Does, does recording 12 songs sound antiquated? I don't even know anymore. You know, it's like I like doing it that way, but... Um, but it is a weird conversation. <laughs> it know? is, and, and you've got a band here, Clutch, that are doing these weather maker things where they're doing a single every month. Yeah. And that's that's sort of it. They're not doing an album. They're doing a new song, and they're all cover songs. They did a ZZ Top song, and I forget the other, what the other one was, but it's just one on July 9th, one on August 9th. One I, have, on, I have much respect for that. I think that's cool. You know, And I think just people, if they're supporting what you do musically, and as long as the idea of presenting something new and fresh is part of it you know like we are just totally in the now even though we're you know we're having some fun it's like throwback mentality playing old kiss songs playing old you know canadian classics we grew up on but it's very today like it's very much in the now we're not living in the past we're playing stuff we liked but we're it's a fresh thing so you know even covering songs like some of these these took songs are very much um we love the way the original song was and made us feel and we want to honor it that way so it, it's to give it a fresh coat of paint and a new sound and a new you know it just sounds tougher and a little more you know the recording versions that's that's the now you There's know what I mean parallel between all of this stuff because the funny thing is in playing with Slash Brent and I were pretty religious about like if we're going to do these Guns N' Roses songs let's fucking let's do them respectfully like I don't want to do like here's the industrial you know, yeah, it's like, no, we're going to fucking play the song. We're going to play it correctly. And we're going to play it right. So that, Bruce Kulick, Tuke, all of those things all have this sort of like, we're not going to go into Kiss songs half-assed. Like, we're doing them as best we can. You know, we're going to play them to the peak of our ability. And if that means, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's tough. These are all, the bars are raised by like an appetite for destruction or every Kiss album or all these classic Canadian songs we grew up on. But we go in there with the, with the most amount of respect we can and just go in there and do the best we can. And every one of them is with just straight love, straight respect, and straight homage to the greatness of all that stuff. Now, I know we're, you're going to have to get start getting ready for the show here, but one of the things that's, that's nice and what I've heard from guys from Killer Dwarves and Helix is that you sort of raised the profile from Canadian music because Slash being an international star and you're being on that international stage, like you said, all of a sudden Japan, all of a sudden Brazil. Yeah. 
and all of a sudden these bands that have been playing you know the brass monkey in ottawa and and, and the rock pile in toronto are suddenly going hey we're getting calls in san antonio hey we're getting calls in, yeah. and and it's helped and that's great that's actually a thrill i mean i i honestly i think that was the the most ultimate goal from the beginning was like if we can help you know raise any yeah. Uh, focus on on the music we grew up on, like like you know the Dwarfs and Helix and every other band that we grew up loving. Honeymoon Sweet, we love all those bands. You know, we we play New Girl Now live. That's on the first album, New Girl Now. Yeah. There's a, oh, we forgot to mention there is a Rush song on the new uh, yeah. Tuke record. But here's a um, interesting side note of the Tuke project and we gave the cd todd gave the cd to um well you tell the story he gave it to slash one day and it was just a very casual thing where you know he just mentioned oh yeah there's something brent and i did and it was a cd that who listens to cds anymore right i guess you gave it to slash and he actually listened to it in his car or something and he he complimented and said this, this sounds really great and he goes is that aldenova <laughs> Is that an Aldenova song? And I go, yes, it is. I go, so I mean, like, because a lot of those songs did have a crossover. April Wine, um, trying to think which other ones we did that were pretty universal. Oh, Lover Boy, Working for the Weekend, Saga. stuff like that. You know, Saga. Saga. Those kind of, those kind of. Those were hits in the states. Yeah, so Slash yeah. would have known those songs too, whether he and liked them or not. And then the fantasy yeah. song was. was so, big, um, fast forward to like a few months back, um, Frank Sidoris from our band here took a very unfortunate, but a, just a quick little uh, leave of absence. And, um, and you know, we were going to put a, somebody else in the band. And the thing was, um, and it's funny. <laughs> Go out between here. It's on the other side of that trailer. Should let Slash tell yeah. the story because he's right beside. I know. Sure. <laughs> so the story goes that Slash brought up to us. He goes, hey, uh, you know, because Frank's going to take a quick little uh, break here. I was thinking, what about using the guy from Tuke? And, and Todd and I, you know, most people probably think, well, you guys had, because Anyway, Corey Cherko filled in on the Slash gig. That was not us mentioning it. To we Slash. barely had time to compute that this was happening, that we were going to have to get in the guitar player. Anyway, he was the first guy that Slash brought up. Of all the players that we know in L.A. and everywhere else, it was kind of like, what about the guy from Tuke, who is in L.A.? But, I mean, we're like, yeah, of course, yeah, Corey would be perfect. He, professionally, just... The record was great, yeah. the way Corey played on it. So, to the respect of Tuke, it must have been good enough that Tosh was like, hey, well, let's get Corey to play in the band. So get the guitar uh, player from that thing that you guys did. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> and then he found out much later, uh, in the middle of the tour, that Corey's actually the musical director for the past 20 years for Shania Twain and played with a whole bunch of great artists. So, uh, yeah. that was nice that he didn't even know that. But, uh, anyway... Do you start covering covering Shania songs at some point? Yeah, she's Canadian. She's Canadian. <laughs> Todd can sing the shit out of female songs. I mean, all you have to if you're listening to this, Not you want to set the bar right there. Go listen to him do "Don't It Make You Feel" by the Headpins, which, which was and that's already been released. We put that out a few months ago, which was also cool that Darby, the singer from the original band who gave us her blessing and loved it so much that she sang on it with us. So she sings on the last verse. And a lot of people probably didn't even know that, you know, or yeah. I, I can't, I don't know. It seemed like people were like, is Todd singing on that song? Yes, that's Todd singing the actual song with Darby in the third verse. Um, so, yeah, awesome that that um, Todd can sing. And the Alanis Morissette song is great. So That's right. There's an Alanis Morissette song. That opens up for, like, we could do some Rough that's Trade, or we could do, I don't yeah. know, what else is... Rough Trade, damn. What else was a Canadian... Uh, well, there's a million female Me artists. Me <laughs> now you're talking. A rock version of that would be hilarious. It'd be, be good to do a French song, too. Well, I think that'd be, be brilliant. Funny. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, bye, it's bye. Mo Cowboy. It was a huge song. Well, then we go down that road. We're just suddenly doing the... Informer by Snow. 
informer. I think the ultimate goal is to get Bob Rock to produce Took wow. doing a payola song. Uh, now you're or, talking um, good idea. What was it? I've been pitching. I've been pitching Eyes of a Stranger since the beginning Great of the band. Song. No one Great will song. bite on it. Uh, what was that? Down, band, down, uh, down. Dirty water. Yeah, that was that was Rock and Hide. Rock and Hide. Great song. See, see how happy we are talking about all this music. It's like, and a lot of people who are probably I don't even know any of these bands. All had good songs. In your dirty water. Do you have to pay for that now? That is probably. But the, the question I have now: How does that relate to Kista? We're, no, we're off topic well, Bob now. Rock, Bob Rock produced. Uh, he he mixed some stuff for Bruce Fairburn, who produced Psycho, Psycho Circus. Circus. There you go. There's your connection. That's right. And yeah. headpins open for Kiss. You said earlier. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and I believe he introduced Jim Valens to Brian Adams or something like that. Oh, who some there's some must be something 1981 there. connection. Yeah, crazy. What a pool of talent they had just kicking around back then, huh? All those guys to go on and do like massive international shit. That's crazy. Yeah, so there we go. So I guess we'll leave it at that, right? Yeah, I think yeah, we're. we're I mean, it's never enough. It's but, never enough. But it, today it's going to have to be enough. <laughs> uh, it comes out on August twenty seventh, a day that should be celebrated. Exactly. If you're listening, my National, wife, just in case. It's an actual <laughs> birthday. Somebody, someone's birthday. I was only born in eighty two. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Uh, thank you, Je- thank you, boys. Thank Thanks, you, gentlemen. Sir. Thanks, Thanks for always. always supporting. Yeah. There you go. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk.